John, the fifth chapter. John, the fifth chapter. Chapter 5, verse 1. And after this, I'm reading out of the King James Version. It's got all the these and the thous. We'll come back and clarify some things. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Now, in Arkansas, in Missouri, when you say impotent folk, everybody thinks you're talking about somebody of great stature. I can't help it. <laughs> yes, sir, I'm impotent folk is what I am. No, that's not what this talking about. Impotent means these people were very sickly. All right. So in these lay a great multitude of sickly folk, of blind, halt, weathered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain seasons into the pool and troubled the water. This is something special that God did just for them. This is also an added passage in the Word of God. A lot of people don't know this is not in the original language. This was added by a scribe or a Pharisee who knew the tradition of the time and put that in there so there would be an understanding of why all these people are laying by this pool who are sick. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water that whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie or laying there and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? It's kind of an odd question. Is that not an odd question? Verse 7. The impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man, because when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, if we read on down through here, you'll find out Jesus got in trouble with the religious crowd for doing this because it was the Sabbath day. Some people are far more into the rituals of the Word of God than the Spirit of the Word of God. And Jesus came to show that, that God is more than just the letter of the law. He's the spirit of the law. And that the law was given to us as a direction for us to understand how to live in the freedom that God has given to us in this life. And Jesus being that freedom. But I want to look at that line and that question. Wilt thou be whole? Or or he's saying in modern English, if, if you have the opportunity to get healed, will you be healed? 
Or do you like laying by this pool? Oh, if I was going to title this today, get ready. Turn to your neighbor and say, Matilda, pull up your huggies. Mm -hmm. Here's the title. It, it, security. All right. Will you be well? Or are you just whining? Will you be well or do you just want to whine? Ooh, Stephanie, I'm in trouble. Do you really want to be whole? That word whole isn't just healing. It means everything about me. Boom, changed. Ooh, I'm in trouble now. I can feel it already. Mm -hmm. Will you be whole? Will you be complete? Pow. Or will you remain lying, whining, because nobody will help you? Golly, I'm in trouble today. <sighs> Come on. Jesus looked at the man and asked him, and the, the answer was, well, I don't have anybody to help me. Y'all look at me like, he dared to do that in the house of God. Yeah, because Jesus deals with the heart of man. <laughs> and this man's been laying there 38 years. I'm not making fun of his plight. No, sometimes we get conditions we can't fix. Sometimes we suffer things we didn't ask for. Sometimes people are born with maladies. You know they didn't ask for that. But we all have the ability to think, woe is me. No one's got it like I've got it. No one's got it as bad as me. <laughs> Here's the thing. All this man ever needed in 38 years was one encounter with God. 38 years waiting for his moment. 38 years just waiting for his opportunity to touch water that God would bless. And it was the tradition that the first person who got into the water after it had been touched was healed. That was added to the canon so we would understand why all these people are laying there on a daily basis. I don't know how the man got from home to the pool or if he just lived and begged alms at the pool. The narrative doesn't tell us. 
But it does tell us that he took up his bed and walked away, so I think he probably had some place to go. So here he is needing an encounter with Jesus. How many of us in this life need an encounter with Jesus? Now, I remember my initial encounter with Jesus, but since then I've needed encounters over and over and over for whatever circumstance I was in. I needed a new encounter with God. Are you still with me? I saw your cute little comments out there online the other day saying all of my crazy sayings. I loved it. All he needed was one encounter with Jesus for boom, everything about him to change. I'm not talking about sickness left, liver healed, whatever caused him to be crippled, straightened out. I'm talking about to the very core of who he was. Boom, everything changed. He didn't even think the same after this encounter. And all he was hoping for was a physical touch. Jesus is offering him something that the angel cannot give. The angel can stir the water because he was commanded by God to do so. And the water will have a healing virtue. But the healing in the water is God, not the angel. And Jesus, whom this man does not know, is the Messiah. Jesus, who is one-third of the Godhead bodily. Jesus, who walked with all of the anointing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the earth, yet cased in the flesh of a man. Who stripped himself of, of his rights to act as God, now acting as a man anointed, is standing before this man relating to the fact that his heart is going out to the man because he understands that flesh hurts. Oh, if your flesh doesn't hurt young people, when you get to be my age, you'll get out of the chair and go, Hallelujah! I'm just walking through my house this morning. Got up out of the chair, walked to the kitchen, and I started doing this. I looked like I was hip, man. <laughs> Life hurts. Life is crippling. Life, quite honestly, is a plague. Because of the curse of the first man, Adam. Man, I've got you all so encouraged now. Everybody in the room is going, oh, yeah, it kind of is. That's a bummer. Wow. 
I heard the Eeyore spirit go across the house. What was me? I don't know. I think the sun came up, but it'll probably rain on me. I'm just being honest. Life hurts. And my heart goes out to people who don't have intimacy with God because life hurts with no hope. When I wake up, sometimes it hurts. But because I've been to the pool of Bethesda with Jesus. Boom, everything in me changed. My physical body goes, oh, my soul may be fighting. My mind, will, and emotions, that's your soul. My soul might be fighting with some kind of a heavy burden. But yet down on the inside at all times in my life, no matter how crappy did that offend you? Because I'll change it to crappie when we go fishing. No matter how crappy life is, when I wake up in the morning, there's still a woohoo. There's an, there's an, a peace in me, an excitement to face the day. I don't care how wacky it gets. I don't care how crazy it gets. There's still something that says. It's worth living. Well, thank you. That was half-hearted. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, oh, don't try to make it up now. I'm not off the first line. We got two pages. Come on, folks. Let's go. All this man needed was an encounter with Jesus, but the choice to be well It wasn't just he needed to get into the water. It's how are you going to live after you've been in the water? The choice to be well. The choice to be at peace. The choice to live differently than before is yours to make. Come on. Coming to church won't change you. Boom, drop the mic. Let's go. I dropped the mic with this concrete floor, and this is a $500 mic. I ain't going to do that. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Church will not change you. It can lead you to change, but it can't change anything for you. Now, we know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I hear the word, it sparks something in me to believe. And if I embrace by faith what I've heard, bam, everything changes. Everything changes. And so here he is, never having had this particular encounter. He knows enough to get to the water. But he can't physically get himself there. And Jesus sees him 
there's all these other people around there. I just want you to see something. But Jesus hones in on the one who he feels is suffering at that particular moment the most. And he give, comes to him. And little does this man know, he's about to have a God encounter like he's never known. He's probably been to church or otherwise he wouldn't be at the well or at the pool. Ladies and gentlemen, salvation is a free gift. And grace is an opportunity to live better than you ever have. Peace of mind is yours, but you have to embrace the change. How many people come forward and when you have a production or a play and you get people in here and they'll pray the sinner's prayer and they feel good in the moment. But when they leave this place, if someone doesn't grab them by the hand and walk with them and talk with them and teach them and help them to stay with the choice that they started with, it won't last long. Oh, there's so many mamby-pamby pastors who'd never say this. They say you pray the prayer and it's all done. Bunch of wimps. It's more than lip service. It's a changing of the guard. It's a changing of my heart. It's a changing of my mind. It's a determination that now that I've had this encounter, I won't continue in the paths of my past. Think about this. 38 years he laid there, that is a pattern ingrained in him. It's habitual. It's habitual. I know this shirt looks like I should have kept a coat on. I get it. It's a habit. It's a habit he feels he can never break. But he has a hope to. I'm going to say it this way. He's addicted. He's addicted to trying to get to the pool. He has an encounter with Jesus. Boom! Everything changes. And now, <laughs> he's standing erect. Remember, he couldn't even get to the water. And Jesus just says, well, would you make up your mind? You're laying there so double-minded all these years, but I'm giving you an opportunity to make up your mind. You want to bypass the water and just get up? Because you can. And the man stands up erect. And Jesus says, now pick up your bed. Go home. Why did he tell him to pick up his bed and go home? Why? Why? I mean, that's a reminder of your past, right? The old mat that you lay on, right? So why do you tell him? Someone said it's a testimony. That's true. That is true. But 
I think it's so he won't go and lay back down. Because he could wake up in the morning and go, oh, I don't feel good. And come back and lay down. And go, oh, I wish an angel would stir the water. I don't have anyone to help me. When I got born again, I was just a kid. So I've made more mistakes and caused and did more sin in between that period until I got my head on straight because I was young and dumb. But I've come to understand that if I embrace everything God's got for me, the quality of my life is so much better. Here's what Jesus is saying to him. If I healed you, would you accept the new lifestyle that comes with it? Because, Mr. Man, 38 years, you've not been able to work. All you've done is beg. Are you going to wake up and beg tomorrow, or are you going to find a place to go to work? Are you going to develop a new skill? Are you going to take on a new challenge? Are you, going to, are you going to nurture a different type of life than what you've known for nearly 40 years? Are you going to be silent about it and hide inside your hut and not come out and let your neighbors see what God has done in your life? Are you too afraid of failure? Because this gets a lot of people. Oh, I could never serve Jesus because I'm just too flawed. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Think about it. Think about it. One of the disciples of Jesus was a zealot. They were known for murdering people. <laughs> Come on. That's what happens. If there's no, if you whisper the prayer, but there's no mind and heart change together, you're going to continue just doing the same old, same old. Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. We just live the death cycle. Wake up, one more day of death. You're born and you start dying. And then you flop into the grave. I need a life alert. <laughs> you flop into the grave. My whole existence was worthless. All I knew how to do was numb the pain, numb the pain. I've been watching my son this last week fighting kidney stones. and He's been numbing the pain, and I get it. But if all we do in life is numb the pain, we're not living. We're not living. And Jesus is offering to the man something more than something to numb the pain. I'm offering you an opportunity to change everything. Everything. 
everything. I had glasses. I lost them. How does a man lose glasses in the middle of preaching? It's because I put them on my head, probably. Look at this. If I healed you, would you accept the new lifestyle that comes with it? Will Will I, I'm going to use me as the example, will I let go of resentment? I'm one of those preachers. Will I let go of unforgiveness towards other people? Will I stop having strife with my family? Will I stop having strife with my friends and my coworkers? Will I give up my habits and my addictions for something better? Will I give up sickness as a lifestyle? Some people just live from sickness to sickness because they, they, they're waiting for their pool encounter. They never come to God to really get healed. So sickness becomes the central focus of their life and they just travel from ailment to ailment to ailment to ailment because that's how they relate to the world around them. That's how they attract people to them or repel people from them because it's their identity. Will I have bitterness towards others? Or just at life itself. You ever met those people? They're sour all the time. Everything about them is sour. Upset. Aggravated. Irritated. They don't even like themselves when they look in the mirror. Man, this room has gotten quiet. But will you accept and embrace a different lifestyle than you've ever walked before? I personally love embracing the challenge to live different. I do. I live different than other people. My wife went, amen. <laughs> you can either embrace the challenge to live differently or you will remain in a lame duck mentality. <laughs> Blaming everybody for your troubles. You looked at me cross-eyed. I can't fly anymore. My wings have been clipped. Mad at the world. Mad at friends and loved ones. Whining about being a victim. Oh, how do I know this stuff? It's me. I've had to overcome every one of these things in my life and let something go backwards or upside down, and I thought I was the victim. And nobody has it like me. My life is so tough. I live in an old house, not a new house. I've got it tough. 
I don't make $30 an hour. I make 10. I've got it so tough. Steve, he has hot rods. They need a little work, but he's got hot rods. <laughs> that was a right, brother. That's what he right. I know, mine's in the shop too. I know, I know. <laughs> he's got hot rods. Why does he get hot rods? He shouldn't have hot rods. I don't... And why did he get one that was so fancy? So popular. <laughs> Everybody wants a picture with it. Come on, I'm just being honest. This is how we look at life. Someone may be blessed differently than you, but it's differently, not better. He's got the stress of fixing that thing. Come on. <laughs> paying the taxes. Come on. So are we going to stay in a lame duck mentality, whining about being a victim, crying every time something goes wrong and not our way, mad at God? I have seen people get mad at God because something didn't go right. In the case of my family, who, who will not, blame God. But many people, when they lose someone, they get mad at God. When we know life starts so we can die. It's a curse. It's the curse that Jesus didn't take out of our way. It's the last, according to the word of God, when I overcome my attitudes, my struggles, my heartaches, my hardships, and I let Jesus remold and reshape me, boom, by changing who I am, and I stop laying as a cripple and a lame duck by the pool, complaining that life has not been fair to me. Suddenly, I face the last enemy I'll ever face in the here and now, and it is death. Mm. I'll get to that. So many people never spread their wings to fly into the wind of the Holy Spirit and let him lift you above the entrapments of this life below. My life every day soars on the wind of the Holy Ghost. My life, every day I live, I can choose to mount up in God and fly above what's bugging me, driving me crazy, upsetting me, and all the unfair things that life does and put my hope and trust in God. Or I can wake up that day and choose not to mount up into the wind of God and complain and moan and murmur and make people around me go, well, if that's his God. Golly, don't you hate preachers like this? Young people, you're just getting started in this journey. Give God everything. Give God everything. Start now. Don't wait till you're an adult 
burdened down with all the troubles of life. Start now so when you get there, you can just ease right in. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and say, I didn't think that loud mouth would ever shut up. I don't know about you, but I want to soar. I want to achieve new heights every day. I want to accomplish something for God every day. I don't need a higher status because I'll mess that up anyway. I don't need to be seen because that just brings pressure on me personally. But if I can lift him higher, if I can live for him in a way that someone else saw him, caught a glimpse of him through me and through my actions, through my words, through my personality. Oh, what a blessing that is. That is what it means to mount up into the Holy Spirit and to fly. I want to live unshackled and free. I don't want to walk around with my bed mat forever. I picked up my bed mat when he said, will you be whole? And I said, yes. But when I got home, I tossed it in the corner and I began to live like a free man, unchained, unfettered for the remainder of my days. Nothing can kill me. Nothing can stop me. Nothing will slow me down until God says it's over. I'm here and the devil's got to put up with me. I want demons to tremble when they realize that by my choice, I am untouchable in Christ Jesus. You can mock me, malign me, make fun of me, come at me, hurt me, punch me, kick me, whatever you want to do. The worst thing you could do is take my life so I can graduate to be with Jesus. And a lot of times when a man gets up here and says things like this, people go, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. You can. If it wasn't for the grace of Jesus, I couldn't do it. Oh, I am, listen, listen, I am a screw up on steroids. Y'all are just screw-ups. I'm a screw-up on steroids. Because I'll mess it up. Give me anything, I can mess it up. And not even meaning to. My desire is to change atmospheres. To upend the plots this world has designed against me. I desire to live above worry and fear. Well, there's a war going on in the Middle East. Yep. And I'm praying for the peace of Israel. And I'm praying for the peace of anyone innocent caught in that situation. Well, the economy's shaking. Yes, yeah, it is. I put my house on the market about a month too late. Yep. It's sinking. Well, there are food shortages. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Good information. I'm just not blown off 
of my internal peace. Because I know a God who can rain bread from heaven. <laughs> Come on. I know a God who gave me a promise in the word that says, the wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous. So even if it all goes to hell in a handbasket, <gasps> he said that in church. Even if it all goes to hell in a handbasket, I'm in tune with the right God. And I may not walk around with millions in my bank account, may not even have two nickels in my pocket, but God's favor follows me wherever I go, and whatever I need in that moment, he is there. I'm almost done, believe it or not. Closing number two. I want to wake up every morning in a peaceful state of mind. To be well enough to help somebody else who isn't in a peace of mind. I heard that yawning. That lets me know it's just about time. These glasses, I can't see who you were. I just heard it. <laughs> but my greatest achievement is the ability to face the last enemy of man on earth, death, and not flinch. Where fear can't grip me. But that I will put my head down and charge into that moment like a bull charging at a matador in an arena. Let me paint you the picture. The dark, nasty, hideous creation who thinks, thinks he's a roaring lion. <laughs> who was overcome by the power of Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary when he said, it is finished. That same Christ whose body was laid into a tomb descended into the lower parts and grabbed that so-called lion by the nape of the neck and shook him overcoming him, overpowering him. And he took him and all of his cohorts and in the realm of the spirit, he led them like they were tied together in a chain before the master of heaven. He brought them before the throne of the father and they were bound head and foot. And he paraded them in a shameful parade to show that a man powered by the power of the Holy Spirit could overcome all of the wiles of the 
enemy underneath God's plan. And he brought him in as a vanquished foe. Vanquished means he was so low that he couldn't even be ashamed of his shame. He was so low. And when it was all said and done, he shook him and took from him the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And then he kicked the stone away from the tomb and he emerged victor forevermore, the champion of the universe, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And then... And then, come here, Brody, big strapping man, gonna grow a wild beard. He's dead now. Put your hand out. He's, put your hand out this way. He's me. After he did all of that, he goes, you do it too. power because he gave you his victory he didn't just hand you the challenge he already won the challenge he handed you the victory you can't lose you cannot lose so when I face the last enemy of death like a bull in the arena facing a matador I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to run towards death. And I'm going to gore death as I fall into the arms of Jesus forevermore. And I pray that that is your choice here today too. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Miss Kell, would you come to the keyboard for me? God, I magnify you for your word today. I thank you for this attentive audience today, Father, who heard your word, Father, and put up with my nonsense. But God, I don't apologize for this concept, and I don't apologize, Father, for what you are laying before us today. For we are a, we're a fragile people who, who need a big God. And our lives represent the Father's desire. The Father didn't create me to be sinful. The Father created me to be victor. And man, by his own choice, got me into this mess. And I was born and shaped in iniquity. But through Christ Jesus, like the man laying by the pool, my encounter set me free. And I've had to change a whole lot of patterns in my life. I've had to change a whole lot of heartaches. I've had to overcome attitudes. I've had to overcome sicknesses. I've had to overcome griefs. I've had to overcome mentalities. I've had to overcome addictions in my life. 
lay them down and walk away and say, God, I want you and you alone. I don't want to play some plastic game that has your name attached to it, and I just am free to be willy-nilly and do whatever I want and then have to face death not knowing for sure I've lived right. Father, I don't have enough I don't have enough courage within me to live and make up the rules myself. I believe what your word says. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. A hell created solely for dark angels that chose a path of rebellion, never man. Yet unwittingly, many people end up in that place of torment and heartache and hardship because they tried to do it their own way. They never had a real encounter. Father, today, by the power of your presence and Holy Spirit in this room, give us a real encounter. Start with me, God. and Go throughout this room. I'm not ashamed, God, to say I'm not perfect. I'm going to ask real quickly across this place as you're praying, as you're seeking. If you're here today, and what I've said is a challenge to you, and that doesn't scare you, you're ready to accept the challenge. If that's you and you'd like for me to agree with you in prayer, you'd like for me to stand by you while you make those choices in your life, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor. That's honest. Thank you. Thank you. That is so honest. So honest. So real. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to do it God's way. I appreciate that. Father, I pray for these who raise their hand right now. For a courage and a boldness, Father, they've never had. And I ask you, Father, now. Holy Spirit, give them their encounter. If you raised your hand, this might be difficult, but it's very necessary because the word says that God's looking for a public profession. He's looking for people who are not afraid, who will step out and say, that's me and I'm, I'm not afraid to show that I'm ready for change and I don't care who knows. If you raised your hand, please come this way. I need some ministers to come and to help me if you would. Just come. Unashamedly, don't be afraid. Just come. Just come. Just come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.